Welcome to The Average Shepherd. My name is Father Sam French, and today is Trinity Sunday. And the homily today is called, What is Love? God Won't Hurt You. Uh, Apologies for the voice this week. I have been a little bit sick. But we are reading from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Let's begin. Jesus said to Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. No one who believes in him will be condemned, but whoever refuses to believe is condemned already, because he has refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. The Gospel of the Lord. In his very first encyclical, Deus Caritas Est, Pope Benedict XVI reminded the world of a profound truth that we Christians will often find ourselves saying, and that is, God is love. But the question is, what do we mean by that? Because I think in today's world where emotions are given almost supreme value, we might hear God is love and think to ourselves all kinds of different sentiments. We might think God is nice or God is pleasant, or God is so tolerant he doesn't really mind what it is that we get up to because, after all, God is love. But I think that kind of emotional thinking would be a profound mistake because God's love goes unimaginably deeper than that. To say God is love and mean it is not merely a happy sentiment, but represents a complete revolution in understanding the nature of God. It's a revolution that sets Christians apart from the rest of human history. See, there's so many religions throughout the world, all or many of which acknowledge at least the goodness of God or the goodness of a God or some gods. Now, these religions, however, they almost inevitably always start from the position of humanity's quest for the divine. And I'm talking about mankind seeking out God or some other ultimate reality. Most religions begin there with mankind looking for God. In Buddhism, the goal is nirvana, to reach a state of total transcendence, to become one with the nature of reality. In Hinduism, the goal is moksha, to reach complete liberation and merge with the Brahman, the supreme being. Christianity, however, is different. Christianity is much less about man's search for God and more about God's pursuit of man. And that is an important distinction. This unique nature of God is revealed to us in the parables of Jesus. Just think about the prodigal son and the lost sheep. Humanity was lost and many individuals in the world remain lost. But God, like the shepherd, like the father to the prodigal son, relentlessly chases after our hearts, seeking us and forever desiring to restore us into a life-giving relationship with him. In light of God's relentless love for us, we begin to see how the journey to earth of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, was not some kind of aimless expedition or just a show of God's divine power. Jesus coming to earth was a rescue mission that had a single purpose, to deliver us from the clutches of sin and evil which hold humanity captive, to raise us up to new life through the power of the Holy Spirit, both now and into eternity. That is exactly what we read in today's gospel from John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, 
so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we as Christians living in the age of the church, we have the privilege to witness God's self-revelation to the world. We live after Christ so we can see who God is, what God is as perfectly embodied in the life, in the teaching, in the perfect self-sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Not for his sins, but for ours, for your sins and for mine. Through Jesus, we have discovered that the defining attribute of God is not power or knowledge or transcendence, but the defining attribute of God is love. And it's precisely through knowing that God is love that we are given a glimpse into today's mystery, the mystery of the Holy Trinity. I think in order to understand this this mystery, we just have to ask ourselves a logical question. Can a solitary God be the embodiment of love? What do I mean by that? Well, we all know from experience that love by its nature is relational. And self-giving. For example, just imagine a man named Dave, and Dave claims to be a loving person. But now just imagine that Dave lives in total isolation, utterly cut off from any relationship or interaction with anyone else in the world. By what standard could Dave be called a loving person? He can't, because it takes at least two to tango. Love is something that is relational. Therefore, a God who is love must be both singular and plural. And the Gospels reveal to us that God is indeed three persons, each divine, but eternally united in a bond of mutual love. So we can say that God is one, but God is not solitary. This is the mystery of the Trinity. So we know that God is love, that God is Trinity, But we also know from Genesis 1.27 that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So if love is the essence of God's nature, and human beings are created in God's image, then love is also baked into our human nature. And we know this. We know that human beings are hardwired as social creatures. We're created to connect with others, to be in relationship. We are incomplete when we are in solitude. Now, our inherent human desire to give of ourselves and to receive from others finds its most profound expression in this life, in human sexuality, what's sometimes called the nuptial meaning of the body. This is why the Christian teaching on sexuality and the sacrament of marriage is so important to Jesus in Matthew 19 and Mark 10, and it remains so in his church today. See, God made us male and female, and that's simply not something that we can change or decide for ourselves. And in the union of marriage, a man and woman become one flesh, wholly giving and receiving from one another. And in doing so, man and wife become a reflection of God, the Holy Trinity. See, just as the Father eternally loves the Son, and the Son eternally loves the Father, and from their mutual love proceeds the third person of the Holy Spirit, so too a husband loves his wife, a wife loves her husband in return, and proceeding out of their mutual love comes a third person in the gift of a new life, in the gift of children. Now, why do I mention all of this? Well, we've just entered June, the month of the Sacred Heart, a fitting sign of Christ's love for the world. But while Catholics celebrate the sacred heart of Jesus, right now in the culture, in Hollywood, in major corporations, many are gearing up to celebrate LGBT Pride Month. 
And it's in light of that that I so often hear, why can't the church just get with the times? Why can't the church just update its teachings and become inclusive? After all, love is love is love. Well, I think the Christian answer to that is no. No, it's not. God is love. God is the measure of love. And for love to be authentic, it must reflect the self-giving and creative nature of the Trinity that we're celebrating today. It is precisely because traditional marriage and the family are rooted in the sacred image of God, the Holy Trinity, that the church cannot and will not ever waver or compromise this fundamental teaching of God's created order and the inherent sanctity of married love. To separate any kind of sexual love or activity from its created context of marriage, not just in promiscuity but also in pornography, possibly the greatest scourge on our society today, these things not only dishonor the very meaning of our bodies, but they also undermine our divine creation in the image of God, the image of complete, selfless, self-giving and fruitful love. So today on this Trinity Sunday, let us reflect on this central mystery of our Christian faith, that God is love. He's not just a benevolent force, but instead a divine and personal love that is seeking you and me right now. God's love is knocking at the door of our hearts, waiting for us to open it and let him in. God's love is a love that created each of us in his own image and was willing to suffer and die on the cross for us. And if we allow ourselves to truly accept that love, it has the power to transform our lives forever. So let us pray today on this Feast of the Holy Trinity for that gift of love. And I thought as we're, we're heading into June now, it would be appropriate to, to pray a prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, wellspring of divine love, set our hearts aflame with a love that reflects the most blessed Trinity. Strengthen us with your Holy Spirit to courageously bear witness to your selfless love in our world, in our words, and in our deeds. In the midst of our trials and challenges of life, fortify us to stand firm in our Christian faith, never ceasing to act as mirrors of your divine love to the world. Sacred Heart of Jesus, mold us into instruments of divine love. Through our actions, may we reveal the face of God in everything we encounter, fulfilling your will and bringing forth the love of the Trinity in our lives. We ask this, Lord, in the holy name of your Son, Jesus, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary. And we conclude this prayer with that great sign of the cross, uh, a sign of our love and our devotion to the Blessed Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help me spread the word and this Average Shepherd podcast, you can do so by putting it up on your social media, sharing it with a friend or with anyone you think might benefit. Thank you and God bless.